Welcome, Willow Park Church. What a delight it is. It's Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. And I want to wish you all a very happy Christmas. Or as we like to say, Merry Christmas. It's wonderful for us to be together and to be celebrating as you're sat at home, uh, perhaps with some family, a odd friend, I don't know. But I want to celebrate Christmas and declare that Christ is the saviour of the world. Let me read you some amazing words from uh, the prophet Isaiah that says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. And as we have celebrated Advent and as we have thought about the wonder of Christ coming to the world. On this Christmas Eve, we want to take a moment to give thanks to God and to remember lighting the final candle of Christmas, to remember that Christ came to bring us hope, to bring us joy, to bring us peace, to come into this world that we may have that Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we are able on this Christmas Eve to celebrate the goodness of God and to remember the greatest of gifts, to remember Jesus Christ who came into this world, born of a virgin, to offer his life for us, to show us the light that shines in the darkness, who came to bring us back to God. What a blessing. And thank you on this Christmas Eve for all those that have joined us. And I pray for each of their families and their lives that you will bless them, that you will encourage them and that you will be with them. And for those who may feel particularly lonely this evening, I pray that there may be the full comfort of God, that you will fill their homes with your presence and that you will bless them. Thank you. Thank you for the child that was born. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's something so special about praying at Christmas. There's something special about celebrating the story and understanding. And we thought, as this is a very unique Christmas Eve, we thought that we would start this service off with a lovely humorous sketch that comes all the way from England. Our good friend David Robinson has prepared a sketch for us and I hope it gives you a smile this evening. So here it is. Hello, no room at the Holiday Inn, Bethlehem Branch. Wayne speaking. How may I help you? Oh yes, we're... Yeah, yes, that's right. Yes, we're very much looking forward to welcoming you, yes. Yeah, three single rooms for two nights. 
Yes, superior rooms, that's right. Yes, indeed. All the beds are king-size, yes. Yes, all the rooms have safes for your valuables, sir, yes. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow night, sir, then, yes? Oh, what time shall we uh, expect you? Seven o'clock, right. Oh, I, I, I see you've booked in advance for the evening meal, sir. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're very busy tomorrow, so that was a good idea, yeah. Yes, well done, yeah. Uh, yes, you are indeed a wise man, yes. All right, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow night, sir. Yes, look forward to it. Good night, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Keep your moment, sir. Uh, good evening, sir. Welcome to the new room at the Holiday Inn. I'm Wayne. How can I help you? Uh, room for the night. Uh, name of Joseph. I rang earlier. I believe I got your last room available. Oh, just a moment. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> the standard basic room, I see. Well, at least it's not raining. Um, just yourself, is it, sir? No, there's, there's two of us. Uh, my wife's just looking after the donkey. I see. And what name, please? Mary. And a lovely name for a donkey it is. <laughs> and your wife? No, she's called Mary. The donkey's called Little. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> well, as I say, I am afraid it is the standard basic room, so I hope you don't mind making your own beds. <laughs> no, uh, that's fine. Uh, good. You'll find some wood, a hammer and some nails in the corner. <laughs> Little joke there. No, no. Oh, oh, we do have our money-back guarantee here at the No Room of the Holiday Inn, so if you do find the other animals keeping you awake in the night, do let me know. I'm on duty all evening. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'll get your key. Uh, are they going to be all right out there? Oh, yes. I, I, I must go and get the rest of the luggage. Um, she's heavily pregnant, you see. Oh, how lovely. Well, the vet just lives up the road, very friendly, so any complications in the night, just let me know. No. Mary. Not the donkey. <laughs> right. So I'm guessing you're here for the registration of births, are you, and for the census? Yeah, that's right. Right. Well, the register office is in the next street, literally a two-minute trot away. Oh, that's good. I just need to take one or two more details, if you don't mind. It's the local government, you know what they like. They insist on it, you know, with, with the current situation being as it is. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fine. How can I help? Well, now, let me see. What have I got here? Your full name is... Joseph Carpenter. Joseph Carpenter. Lovely, yes, I see. And your wife is... Mary. Mary Carpenter? <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. You're the Carpenters. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? The Carpenters. We've got the Carpenters staying with us. <laughs> I bet you're feeling on top of the world. Have you quite finished, sir? We've only just begun. <laughs> Carpenters. So we have Joseph Carpenter. Let me see. And I'll just put this in. And Mary Carpenter. Davidson. Her name is uh, Mary Davidson. She's keeping her single name, is she? How very modern she is. Well, she is still single. Oh, I see. How very contrary for Mary. We are betrothed. Yes, sir, and we're discreet. <laughs> now, any ideas on the baby's name as yet? A uh, boy? Girl? It's a boy. He used to be called Jesus. And, um, <clears throat> he is your son, is he, sir? Well, he's everyone's. Well, that's very generous of you, sir, I must say. Uh, and the surname he will take is... King of Kings. 
king of kings. Oh, double-barreled. He's sure to make an impression on the world with a name like that now, isn't he? Oh, double-barreled king of kings. I'll have to keep an eye out for this lad, won't I? <laughs> Let me fetch your keys, sir. We prepared ourselves for the impossible. Mary, my wife-to-be, my son and me, the carpenters, together. We settled down for the night, best we could. And then I heard it. I heard God whisper to me, humble servants, I'm close to you. I'm close to you. Closer than you'll ever know. Now, get some sleep. Wasn't it great? Great to see our good friend David Robinson uh, making us smile and always bringing it to a point of powerful, poignant moment. We're going to enter now a time of worship and we're going to celebrate Christmas as the band leads us in some carols to, to celebrate all that Christ has done.
So good to hear those carols being sung and to celebrate Christmas in that way. We've got a special moment coming up right now. And the children's department have been so busy. They've been busy throughout this whole COVID period, supporting our families, creating those lovely boxes. I think now we're up to close to 150 of those boxes go out to families. 
But one thing they wanted to do, because often on Christmas Eve we have a children's story. The children come and they sit on the stage. Of course we can't do that. But we did ask some of our children from our families to come in to the church and to tell us right now the Christmas story. So watch this. It is the cutest thing and I know you're going to enjoy it. So did mom and dad tell you why you're here today? Yeah, to talk about God and Jesus. One day Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel sent from God. And then she journey to find a home. A long trip. To Bethlehem. They rode there on a donkey. A donkey. A donkey. But all the inns and all the places were full, and the only place they could stay was a stable. Then they need to find a place to both him out. Mary and Joseph knocked on every single door, but no, every room was filled. And then they found, and then one man was kind, and they said that they could live in the stable. So she had her baby there. <laughs> Horses, sheep, lambs, donkeys, all those kinds of sheep, lambs, horses, donkeys, and animals. Donkeys, sheep, all, all the people had to follow the star. And then a big star appeared in the sky, and all the shepherds saw it, and they took their sheep and they went to, and they followed the star. And, and it led them to baby Jesus. And the three wise men also saw the star and it led them to baby Jesus. And they followed it through really some good parts and not so good parts and the really bad parts. They saw the baby and they gave the baby frankincense, myrrh, and one gave gold um, to Jesus. There was a new baby named baby Jesus. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Good job, guys. Joy. 
One thing I know about Willow Park Church is that we have not been in maintenance mode at all. You can't accuse us of not being active. As we've faced the challenges of closed church, we've tried to engage in our community, reach out. One of the brilliant ways we've done that, of course, is through uh, the stocking appeal. That Pastor Jordan led and championed and did such a wonderful job with. And so we've got a thank you video now that just uh, celebrates and shows you where those stockings that you made ended up. It's beautiful, fantastic. Followed by our good friend David Robinson, who wrote a sketch about stockings, which I know you'll enjoy. But we want to gain Say thank you. Thank you for your devotion and for your generosity. Hello, Willow Park Church. I am here surrounded by these wonderful Christmas stockings. Can you believe it? It was about a month ago that we asked you to make these stockings. And you went, you took the patterns, you got to work, and then suddenly hundreds of Christmas stockings arrived at the church. They arrived at South, they arrived at Lake Country. And with our church working together, you then came and picked them up. And you took them and you filled them so wonderfully. Look at these most amazing stockings with gloves and, and gifts and hats and little treats. And it's amazing and chocolates. And this is what you produced. Literally hundreds of these Christmas stockings. So we have now come to the end. Today, right now, they're going to be delivered to all those different agencies. You've been on mission. You've been reaching out. You've been giving. You've decided to serve Jesus in this way in the community. And I know that God will bless you. And we have a very special uh, drama sketch for Christmas Eve online that will capture the heart of why Christmas stockings. But first of all, 
thank you. Today, the stockings leave the church for the community. I came running down the stairs at breakneck speed and pushed open the door of the front room and there it was, the Christmas tree, lights twinkling warmly and round the fireplace as well. It was still dark outside, it was probably only five o'clock in the morning, Christmas morning. Presents were tumbling off the armchair onto the carpet in front of the fire. And my Christmas stocking was hanging at the side of the fireplace, presents peeping out. I shall never forget that morning. Mind you, it was only last year and I'm 58 now. You, you would have thought I would have got used to the excitement of Christmas, but I haven't. My excitement for Christmas never wanes. I mean, the presents in the stocking, not quite as generous these days. Maybe a satsuma and a few peanuts if I'm lucky. I've been looking into the origins of the Christmas stocking. Tradition says it dates back to St. Nicholas and to the generosity of others. Back then, those in the town who had very little, struggling, or had a bad year, would wait. They would wait. They'd pin their empty socks and stockings outside their house and would wait. They would wait and they would benefit from the generosity of others, of the Christian saints who would fill their socks and stockings to overflowing and beyond. We need Christmas this year more than ever, I think. We need the friendship, the love, the peace, the generosity of others. We need to look out for those with empty socks and stockings. It's up to us to fill them for them. It's up to us to bring them the excitement of the Christmas morning, which is not long way off now. So happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, everybody, for tomorrow, or if you are celebrating Christmas today, then happy Christmas to you as well. It's so good to be able to share with you today, and uh, I love speaking on Christmas Eve. I, I, this is not CGI. I am actually wearing a suit, and, uh, and I hope you appreciate that, especially if you come to the South on a regular basis. You know this is, uh, this is quite unusual, but it's worth it. It's Christmas. It's awesome. Last year, Sarah and I made the really big decision to move from having a real tree to a fake tree. We bought a fake tree with built-in lights, and it takes like a minute and a half to put up, and it's fantastic. And, and, there is, and I know it's really a controversial subject. Should you have a real tree? Should you have a fake tree? Is it really Christmas if you have a fake tree? You know, all those kind of questions came up in the house, but we just went ahead and we did it. The main reason we did it is a few years ago, we decided we would go and chop down our own Christmas tree. And it was a great plan. We chose the tree. It was a beautiful tree. We sawed it. We dragged it back. We felt so Canadian because that's not what you do in Britain. And it was great. You throw it on your car. You take it home and you set it all up. The kids are all happy. The cold tree warms up and the spider nest that is nestled in the center of the tree erupts with baby spiders. Yes, friends, 
if, if it hasn't happened to you already, then you can relax because they don't live very long. But we were finding baby spiders, tiny little things, all over the house, all over the Christmas period. So I'm sorry if this has put you off your Christmas. I'm just, I'm here, I'm a pastor, I'm here to speak the truth. And, and so I remember mentally thinking, this is never, ever happening again. Just the other day, I saw a little black dot on the ceiling outside one of my kids' bedrooms. I looked more carefully, and it was one of the spiders that we'd squished to the ceiling and then forgot to wipe off later. Christmas is really strange, isn't it? It's that time of year where you do the odd thing of bringing trees into your house. When else do you do that? We have some really odd traditions all through the year. You come to Easter. It's the one time of year you encourage your kids to eat candy off the floor and you talk about Easter bunnies and you give them baskets and, and it's like Easter bunnies, chocolate, Jesus dying on the cross and rising again. It, it's a bit odd. And then you come to Halloween, and yeah, I said Halloween in church. It's okay, everybody calm down. Uh, you come to Halloween, and you actually take part in this without actually understanding what the real story is behind it. And Christmas is that way. We do odd Odd things. We bring trees in. We hang socks up. We do things. We just shove and candy and chips and cake and all that stuff that we spend the rest of our years. Well, I spend the rest of my year trying to avoid. And and it's just an odd thing. It's important to understand what Christmas is about. What is that tradition? And yes, we can say it's about Jesus. On, in a manger, coming to earth, and that's absolutely right. We're, we really believe in good theology at Willow Park Church, the incarnation, the virgin birth. We, we absolutely believe that. It is about that. But the underlining story actually needs explaining a little bit. And, and really, I can explain Christmas using one word, and it's this word, grace. Grace. And, and grace is actually an ancient word that we still use in our, in our modern day today. You know, you can say things like, well, this, per- I've never had this happen to me, by the way, but you say, well, that person walks with grace. You can accept an award with grace. You can hold yourself with grace and dignity. You can have social graces. If you know which hand your knife and fork should go in and, and you're well-mannered, then you would say you've got good social graces. You can grace someone with a visit. You can dance gracefully. I, I get that all the time. Um, you can say grace, of course, before a meal. You say thanks, you say grace. And this word grace is found all the way through the Bible. In the New Testament alone, 170 times you can find it in the New Testament. So what does grace actually mean? It's actually quite difficult to describe what grace is. But if you were to look it up, then the spiritual part of what the word grace means means unmerited favor or mercy. Unmerited favor or mercy. But what does that mean? What has it got to do with Christmas? And what has it got to do with the idea of what Christmas is all about? Because Christmas is strange, but you need to experience Christmas to really understand how amazing it is. To try and define Christmas is actually really difficult. And somebody who's not part of our tradition, if you sit them down and try and explain Christmas just using the traditions that we have around the house, 
then they would have good reason to think that we're all quite mad for the reasons like bringing in just cut down trees and shoving them in the corner of your house and hanging stuff on them and then putting socks everywhere. It's, it's odd. The other day, we sat down to watch Elf on the 12th. Thank you to the Armstrong family for giving us that tradition. We sat on the 12th of December to watch the Elf movie. I love the Elf movie. It's, it's fantastic. It's a brilliant brilliant movie. And our, one of our homestay students, who's Augustine, who's from China, sat down and watched this. We were trying to explain what this has got to do with Christmas. We, it's really hard to explain. You need to experience it. Grace is exactly the same. It's hard to describe grace. You have to experience it. One of the people who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul, uh, who actually became a Christian after Jesus died and rose again, he experienced grace. He didn't just define it, he experienced it. In fact, he experienced it in a dramatic way. He was thrown off his horse, and before he hit the ground, it, it said that he became a Christian. It's like Jesus just went after him, and he got him, and he experienced grace. Why is that so significant to Paul? Paul was paramount to a murderer. He chased down and sought out Christians to persecute them. And it says the scriptures he actually hold the coats of those who were stoning Christians. He had a terrible, terrible history. He had what we would call a life filled with sin and shame probably and certainly guilt. And yet Jesus showed him unmerited favor and grace. In other words, he did nothing to deserve the salvation and the love and the mercy that Jesus gave him. And it changed his life, radically transformed his life, changed the trajectory of his life, so much so that he became one of the main writers in the New Testament and one of the main missionaries and pastors in the early church. And so Paul was experienced grace, didn't just define it. And, and all through his writings, you'll see him and hear him and read him talking about grace. And one of the most beautiful scriptures you can find is in, in Titus 2. He's writing a letter to his brother Titus, his brother and friend Titus. And he says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation. If there was one phrase that sums up Christmas, I think that's a good one. It's for the grace of God, the unmerited favor and love and mercy of God has been revealed, bringing salvation. Bringing salvation. So you could say with certainty that Christmas is experiencing grace revealed. What a wonderful definition of Christmas. Christmas is grace revealed. And you can experience grace Not just understand it, not just have the traditions of Christmas, as beautiful and wonderful as they are, and and I love Christmas. Not just that, not just experiencing that, but experiencing God. Christmas is experiencing grace revealed. And Paul, in Titus, goes on to explain further what what this actually means. He says, first of all, I want us to know that grace revealed, Christmas, grace revealed in Jesus. Because later on in that scripture, he says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation. And then chapter 3 says, But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, God our Savior revealed, showed, grace revealed, his kindness and love. I wonder what God looks like. I wonder what, I wonder what he 
uh, acts like. I wonder what he sounds like. I wonder what sort of things he says. I wonder how he reacts. You know, those are good questions. But the Bible in the New Testament, the four Gospels, actually gives us a window into exactly what that looks like. And his name is Jesus, fully man, fully God, coming to earth in a manger, which we celebrate at Christmas, and showing God's love and mercy and kindness and character. We see how God responds to people, loves people, uh, sacrifices people. It's constantly revealing grace. As you read the Gospels, And too often we make snap judgments about things without actually researching things. So you might have a real view of what Jesus is all about, and you might have come to that conclusion. Maybe you've looked at Christians or been to church, or maybe you've had a poor experience. Maybe you grew up in a Christian family, and you've got a certain lens that you look at Christianity through. But if you really want to know what Christianity is about, look at Jesus. Jesus is grace revealed. Jesus is, as the Hebrews tells us, an excellent aspect of God. He is God revealed on earth, celebrated at Christmas. His actions and his sacrifices point to that. Secondly, Christmas is grace revealed in the darkest of times. In the darkest of times. Look at what Paul says, same chapter, same book in Titus. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation... Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, and I'll come to the next bit in a second, you might read that and go, well, that's not very Christmassy. He's talking about evil and lusts and pleasures and envy and hatred and foolishness and disobedience. Can we not jump into the Matthew, kind of Luke aspect of, of Mary and Joseph? And, and, and absolutely, but those stories are rooted in what this passage is saying. Here's what it's saying. is Christmas, grace revealed, comes at the darkest of times. It comes at the times when we most need it. It comes at the times where our world seems to be foolish and disobedient and misled. That our, it's like we're slaves to lusts and pleasures. There's envy, there's hatred. Is that not a good picture of what 2020 has been like? The interesting thing is, is if you look at some of the traditions around Christmas, you'll find that, that a lot of our Christmas story is not actually rooted in, in historical fact, but it's rooted and it's brilliant in tradition. Nothing wrong with traditions. For example, we know that Jesus was unlikely to have been born on December 25th. Now, calm down. Parents, don't panic. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to just disband all things that we enjoy, wink, wink. Um, But December 25th was chosen by the church 300 years after Jesus was alive for a specific reason. It was at that time when it was the winter solstice. It was the shortest days, uh, the longest nights, and the coldest times of the year was, was December 25th, the darkest times. That's when they decided to highlight the light and the love of grace revealed in Jesus' coming. Because Jesus came as a light into the darkness. And friends, surely, surely we live in a time where we need grace revealed. We need a light in the darkness. I, I mean, I really quickly just Googled 2020 summarized. 
and, uh, and, and this, this, is, this is some of the things, the bushfires, the wildfires. Doesn't that seem ages ago? That feels like it was just another like decade ago. And yet it was this year. You've got the royals quitting. You've got impeachments. You've got the stock market crashing. You've got the Beirut explosion. You've got the pandemic, of course. You've got racial tensions uh, throughout North America and around the world. And, and this one, I didn't even hear about this because in comparison to everything else, I, I actually, this must have just got lost, but Poland accidentally invaded the Czech Republic. I, that went straight over my head. How do you accidentally invade another country? I'd love to, I'm going to dig into that one a little bit more. It's like, oh, sorry, accident, we just invaded. We'll get back out. But, you know, reading news, it was right there. And of course, who can forget murder hornets? Look at the size of that thing. Like, I was looking at it, first of all, it's like, well, it's, it just looks like a wasp. And then you kind of look at the sight, and then look at how happy he is. There's something wrong right there. This, this man needs counseling. Look at that thing. Let's move away from that. For the grace of God is revealed in the darkest of times. And you might be feeling a dark time. You might be feeling like, 2020 is just not, not just the year and the events around the world that have got on top of you, but the stuff going on in your world, your close world, your family, your inner world, and it feels dark. I've got good news for you. The good news is this one little word here. All sorts of jokes went through my mind about using that word. I'm not going to say that that's a really nice but or anything like that. It's a really, I'm not going to go there because that's when emails start. But... Despite all the darkness, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he, Jesus, saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Because of Jesus. There's darkness. Jesus comes. We celebrate that at Christmas in the manger and all the wonderful traditions. But in the darkness, Jesus shone. Grace was revealed in the darkest of times. And I want to tell you that today, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day tomorrow, no matter how dark it might feel, grace, Jesus, can be revealed in your life that light can shine. And it doesn't matter your, uh, your social economic status. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's such a beautiful thing. You might not even be feeling particularly darkness right now. Let me tell you, you still need the love of Jesus in your life because you are replacing it with something else that ultimately will draw you away, not only from God, but likely life itself. We need this grace revealed. It brings lightness into the darkness. Jesus came on a rescue mission. To rescue you and I from ourselves. And we need that. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about grace revealed. Christmas is grace unconditionally revealed. Look at what Paul says. But, same but, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and his love, he, Jesus, saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He keeps going. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we might inherit eternal life. There's a lot going on there. 
The first thing I want you to notice is that Christmas is grace unconditionally revealed because of these two words here. It's not because of anything you have done. It's not because you have been extra generous towards a charity this Christmas that makes you good and right in this world. It's not because you are better than the person that you see who is worse than you. It's not because you are a good person, a kind person, a merciful person, somebody who is gentle, all those wonderful things. All those things are good, but none of them, none of them are good enough. None of them are good enough. To heal that broken relationship that every one of us has with God due to sin. Every one of those things is dealt with and healed and forgiven because of his mercy, not ours. His mercy, his glory, his power, his sacrifice on the cross is what brings us close to God. Nothing that you or I can do. Nothing that you and I can do. It's a not because... Because it's a gift, which is why we have gifts at Christmas. And I love gifts. It's a gift freely given. It's a gift given to you. It's a gift given to me out of the mercy and the grace, the unmerited favor and love of God just because he loves you. Just because he loves you. Some of us, some of you are sat wondering whether that's really true. That you've experienced People constantly in your life reminding you that you're unlovable. And it's a lie. Because God in his mercy and grace allowed you to wake up this morning. Maybe to hear this message that you are loved, unconditionally loved by God. That who you are, what you've done, what you've experienced, what is being done around you does not, is not unsurmountable. That yes, it can keep you away from God if you are trying to find your own way out. Your own righteous things. It just won't work. But if you move into a relationship with God, if you come to Jesus and you see that he is king, he is Lord, he died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven. If you acknowledge the fact that, yes, your life is filled with sin, yes, you are trying to be king or queen of your own life, and you come and you ask for forgiveness for that, the Bible says that Jesus said that he he will forgive you of your sins. That's grace. Nothing you can do can separate you from that, the Scripture says in Romans. A beautiful book about grace. It's quite an old book now. There's a quote I want to just read to you. This is from Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace. And there's a couple of sentences in here that you'll hear often quoted and maybe don't know where they come from. Well, this is where they come from. Grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us more. No amount of spiritual calisthenics, which I struggle to say, and renunciations, no amount of knowledge gained from seminaries or divinity schools, no amount of crusading on behalf of righteous causes, So what that's saying is, it's not your righteous acts. None of that makes God love you more. And grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. No amount of racism or pride or pornography or adultery or even murder. Grace means that God already loves us as much as an infinite God can possibly love. You are loved because God loves you. 
Grace revealed is unconditional. Finally, Christmas is grace passionately revealed. Passionately revealed. You see, religion tells us who God is, what God loves, and how to be accepted by God. Religion does that. And Jesus did that on earth. But what we do is we think that God loves us, that we can be accepted by, uh, by God and who God is by our own righteous acts, by what we do, by the gifts that we give to God. So if you do this, then God will love you. If you don't do this, God will love you. Jesus actually turned that on its head. He said, God loves you because he loves you. And I'm going to show you his love by dying on the cross for all those who believe to be unconditionally saved, that you have this favor on your life. Because look at what Paul says. He, Jesus, saved us, not because of our righteous things we have done, we've read this, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Now look at some of these words. He generously poured out the Spirit. That's a gift. Upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior, because of his grace, he made us right, it's another gift, in his sight, and gave us confidence, another gift, that we will inherit eternal life. From the moment that sin entered the world with Adam and Eve and sin and shame, and you might not believe that story, but what you can believe is you can identify sin in the world today. You can identify darkness. You can identify those things that seem to be broken. That's sin. So you might use a different word, but that's sin. And from the moment that sin entered this world, God immediately, the scripture says, came into the garden and started looking for his people. And he said this, where are you? As they were hiding from him, where are you? And those three words echo all the way through scripture. As we hide from God... Trying to fix ourselves, grace reveals through Jesus into our lives and he seeks us out. He passionately pursues us. He passionately goes after us. He went to incredible lengths in order to show his love for us. Just a baby in a manger, in a back end of a back end town, born to a teenage mum in disgrace. He went to incredible lengths then to show His love and grace and mercy and favor and kindness. And he goes to incredible lengths today. That he will go to incredible lengths to remind you today, Christmas Eve, that you are loved. And he pursues you and draws you to himself. He woos you, if you like that word. That maybe you've experienced that. And maybe it's been going on for years. There's just this constant, where are you? That goes on in the back of your mind. That the Holy Spirit is wooing you towards Jesus. And there's this echo that is persistent and consistent that God seeks after you. And that's what the scripture says. He seeks after you and then we seek after him. He loves you first so you can love him. That there's nothing he won't do. Use or any length that he won't go to. There is nothing that he won't allow in order to show how much he loves you. And how much he loves me. So that we could experience his grace. Not just know about Christianity and know about Jesus and know about God. And oh, I know all about the Bible. I know all about that. Yeah, great. Good for you. But have you experienced it this Christmas? Because Christmas is grace revealed. 
Have you experienced His grace? The exchange, the Scripture says, His glory to be a baby. So that ultimately He went to the cross and exchanged His life for yours and mine. For all that believe in Him can be saved. That's a great exchange, as one uh, theologian put it. The great exchange is that he would say, come to me, learn from me, believe in me, and you can have this gift of grace, this grace revealed in your life. And so my prayer and our prayer will apart church this day and tomorrow and for the rest of the year is that you would experience grace revealed in your life. And you come into a knowledge, not just a, not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That is the most precious gift. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift. And our prayer is that you will receive that gift this weekend and uh, th- this week. And, and, if, and if you have done that and are doing that, I'm going to pray in a second. Please let us know. Maybe you can connect with us and you can press one of the buttons up there or you can just email us. Let us know that you've made that commitment to follow after Jesus and he's changed your life. That would be the greatest Christmas present we could receive as a, as a church and guaranteed it would be the best gift you've ever received. Grace revealed this Christmas for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful, Jesus, that you came as a baby. That, Lord, it's such a mystery to us. You are fully man and fully God. And you came and you lived this incredible life, all the time showing how much love and grace and mercy you have for us. And so, Lord, it's my prayer that for every person listening at this moment online, that, Lord, that they would come into an experience of grace revealed. That, God, they would give up on those things that they're holding on to in the hope that that would fix them or save them. And, Lord, that they would turn to you and you truly would change and transform their heart today. And so, Lord, we ask your forgiveness. We ask Jesus that as we look to you on the cross and what you have done on the cross for me, that you would forgive me. You would change me and transform me. And that, Lord, that today would be the first day of the rest of eternity, fully transformed, the most precious gift that grace revealed would be mine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We're thankful for family and tradition and Christmas today. And most of all, we're thankful for your grace revealed. We ask these things in your name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you did pray and and ask for forgiveness, then please let us know. But from all of us at Willow Park, and whether you're watching me today or or Pastor Phil, maybe you've already done Pastor Phil, or it was a few times that we're, we're, uh, we're preaching this today, then we really do sincerely so thankful for all of you, church family. It's just amazing. It's a privilege to be a pastor at Willow Park Church. We're grateful for you, and we really do pray. Have a wonderful Christmas and a really blessed new year. Take care.
So tender. 